0: Chapter 29 of Lorna Dune. This is a Liberox recording. All Liberox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Liberox.org. Recording by Daisy 55. Lorna Dune by R.D. Blackmore. Chapter 29 Reaping Leads to Reveling although I was under interdict for two months for my darling. One for your sake, one for mine, she had whispered with her head withdrawn, yet not so very far from me. Lighter heart was not on Exmoor than I bore for half the time, and even for three quarters. For she was safe, I knew that daily by a mode of signals well contrived between us now. On the strength of our experience, I have nothing now to fear, John, she had said to me as we parted. It is true that I am spied and watched, but Gwenny is too keen for them, while I have my grandfather to prevent all violence, and little Gwenny to keep watch on those who try to watch me, and you. Above all others, John, ready at a moment, if the worst comes to the worst. This neglected Lorna Doone was never in such case before. Therefore, do not squeeze my hand, John. I am safe without it, and you do not know your strength. Ah, I knew my strength right well. Hill and valley scarcely seemed to be step and landing for me. Fiercest cattle I would play with, making them go backward and afraid of hurting them, like John Fry with his terrier. Even rooted trees seemed to me, but as sticks I could smite down, except for my love of everything. The love of all things was upon me, and a softness to them, and a sense of having something even such as they had. Then the golden harvest came, waving on the broad hillside and nestling in the quiet nooks scooped from out the fringe of wood, a wealth of harvest such as never gladdened all our countryside since my father ceased to reap, and his sickle hung to rust. There had not been a man on Exmoor fit to work that reaping-hook since the time its owner fell, in the prime of life and strength, before a sterner reaper. But now I took it from the wall, where Mother proudly stored it, while she watched me, hardly knowing whether she should smile or cry. All the parish was assembled in our upper courtyard, for we were to open the harvest that year, as had been settled with farmer Nicholas and with Jasper Keebe, who held the third or little farm. We started in proper order, therefore, as our practice is. First the parson, Joshua Bowden wearing his gown and cassock with the Paris Bible in his hand, and a sickle strapped behind him, As we strode along well and stoutly, being a man in substance, all of our family came next, I leading mother with one hand, in the other bearing my father's hook, and with a loaf of our own bread and a keg of cider upon my back. Behind us Annie and Lizzie walked, wearing wreaths of cornflowers set out very prettily, such as mother would have worn if she had been a farmer's wife instead of a farmer's widow being as she was she had no adornment except that her widow's hood was off and her hair allowed to flow as if she had been a maiden and very rich bright hair it was in spite of all her troubles after us the maidens came milkmaids and the rest of them with Betty Muxworthy at their head, scolding even now, because they would not walk fifthly, But they only laughed at her, and she knew it was no good to scold with all the men behind them. Then the snows came trooping forward, farmer Nicholas in the middle, walking as if he would rather walk to a wheat field of his own, yet content to follow lead, because he knew himself the leader and signing every now and then to the people here and there as if I were nobody. But to see his three great daughters, strong and handsome wenches, making upon either side as if somebody would run off with them, this was the very thing that taught me how to value Lorna and her pure simplicity." after the snows came jasper Kiby and his wife new married and a very honest pair they were upon only a hundred acres and a right of common after these the men came hotly without decent order trying to spy the girls in front and make good jokes about them at which their wives laughed heartily being jealous when alone perhaps And after these men and their wives came, all the children toddling, picking flowers by the way, and chattering and asking questions, as the children will. There must have been three score of us, take one with another, and the lane was full of people. When we were come to the big field gate, where the first sickle was to be, Parson Bowden heaved up the rail with the sleeves of his gown done green with it and he said that everybody might hear him though his breath was short in the name of the Lord Amen Amen so be it cried the clerk who was far behind being only a shoemaker then Parson Bowden read some verses from the parish Bible telling us to lift up our eyes and look upon the fields already white to harvest And then he laid the Bible down on the square head of the gate post, and despite his gown and cassock, three good swipes he cut off corn, and laid them right in onwards. All this time the rest was huddling outside the gate and along the lane, not daring to interfere with Parson, but whispering how well he did it. When he had stowed the corn like that, Mother entered, leaning on me, and we both said, Thank the Lord for all his mercies And these the first fruits of his hand And then the clerk gave out a psalm verse by verse Done very well Although he sneezed in the midst of it From a beard of wheat thrust up his nose By the rival cobbler at Breeden And when the psalm was sung So strongly that the fox gloves on the bank Were shaken like a chime of bells at it parson took a stoop of cider, and we all fell to at reaping. Of course I mean the men, not women, although I know that up the country women are allowed to reap, and right well they reap it, keeping row for row with men, calmly and in due order, yet, me seems, the men must ill attend to their own reaping hooks in fear lest the other cut themselves, being the weaker vessel. But in our part, women do what seems their proper business, following well behind the men, out of harm of the swinging hook, and stooping with their breasts and arms up, they catch the swatches of corn, where the reapers cast them, and tucking them tightly together with a wisp laid under them, this they fetch around and twist, with a knee to keep it closed, and, lo, there is godly sheaf ready to set up in stokes. After these the children come, gathering each for his little self, if the farmer be right-minded, until each hath a bundle made as big as himself and longer, and tumbles now and again with it in the deeper part of the stubble. We... THE MEN KEEP MARCHING ONWARDS DOWN THE FLANK OF THE YELLOW WALL WITH KNEES BENT WIDE AND LEFT ARM BOWED AND RIGHT ARM FLASHING steel. EACH MAN IN HIS SEVERAL PLACE KEEPING DOWN THE RIG OR CHIME ON THE RIGHT SIDE OF THE REAPER IN FRONT AND THE LEFT OF THE MAN THAT FOLLOWED HIM, EACH MAKING FARTHER SWEEP AND inroad INTO THE GOLDEN breadth AND DEPTH, EACH CASTING leftwards his rich clearance on his foregoers double track so like half a wedge of wild fowl to and fro we swept the field and when to either hedge we came sickles wanted wetting and throats required moisturing, and backs were in need of easing and every man had much to say and woman wanted praising Then all returned to the other end with reaping hooks beneath our arms and dogs left to mine jackets. But now, will you believe me well, or will you only laugh at me? For even in a world of wheat, when deep among the varnished crispness of the jointed stalks and below the feather yielding of the graceful heads, even as I gripped the swatches and swept the sickle around them even as I flung them by to rest on brother stubble through the whirling yellow world and eagerness a reaping came the vision of my love as with downcast eyes she wandered at my power of passion and then the sweet remembrance glowed brighter than the Sun through wheat through my very depth of heart of how she raised those beaming eyes and ripened in my breast rich hope even now I could describe like high waves in the distance the rounded heads and folded shadows of the wood of Bagworthy perhaps she was walking in the valley and softly gazing up at them Oh, to be a bird just there, I could see a bright mist hanging just above the dune glen. Perhaps it was shedding its drizzle upon her. Oh, to be a drop of rain. The very breeze which bowed the harvest to my bosom gently might have come direct from Lorna with her sweet voice laden all the flaws of air that wander where they will around her fan her bright cheek play with lashes even revel in her hair and reveal her beauties man is but a breath we know would i were such breath as that but confounded i ponder with delicious dreams suspended with my right arm hanging frustrate and the giant sickle drooped, with my left arm bowed for clasping something more germane than wheat, and my eyes not minding business, but intent on distant woods, confounded! What are the men about, and why am I left vaporing? They have taken advantage of me, the rogues, They are gone to the hedge for the cider jars. They have had up the sled of bread and meat quite softly over the stubble, and if I can believe my eyes, so dazed with Lorna's image, they are sitting down to an excellent dinner before the church clock has gone eleven. "'John Fry, you big villain!' I cried, "'with John hanging up in the air by the scruff of his neck-cloth, "'but holding still by his knife and fork "'and a goose-leg in between his lips. "'John Fry, what mean you by this, sir?' "'Let me down, or I can't tell ye. John answered with some difficulty. So I let him come down, and I must confess that he had reason on his side.' pleasure your worship, John called me so, ever since I returned from London, firmly believing that the king had made me a magistrate at least, though I was to keep it secret. it as how you worship were well, took to thinking a king's business in the middle of white rig, and so as the lat un um, come to a zeal, us had better say time "'by taking a dinner, and here us be. "'Praise your worship and hops no offense, "'with thick iron spoonful of vied tatties.' "'I was glad enough to accept the ladle full of fried potatoes, "'and to make the best of things, "'which is generally done by letting men have their own way. "'Therefore I managed to dine with them, "'although it was so early.' For according to all that I can find in a long life and a varied one, twelve o'clock is the real time for a man to have his dinner. Then the sun is at his noon, calling halt to look around, and then the plants and leaves are turning, each with a little leisure time before the work of the afternoon. Then is the balance of east and west, and then the right and left side of a man are in due proportion, and contribute fairly with harmonious fluids. And the health of this mode of life and its reclaiming virtue are well set forth in our ancient rhyme: sunrise, breakfast, sun high, dinner, sundown, supper. "'Makes a saint of a sinner. "'Wish the wheat falls. "'Whirl again. "'Ye have had good dinners. "'Give your master and mistress "'plenty to supply another. "'And in truth we did reap well and fairly "'through the whole of that afternoon. "'I not only keeping leave, "'but keeping the men up to it. "'We got through a matter of ten acres.' ere the sun between the shocks broke his light on wheaten plums, then hung his red cloak on the clouds, and fell into gray slumber. Seeing this, we wiped our sickles, and our breasts, and foreheads, and soon were on a homeward road, looking forward to good supper. Of course, all the reapers came at night to the harvest supper, and Parson Bolden to say the grace, as well as to help to call for us, and some help was needed there. I can well assure you, for the reapers had brave appetites, and most of their wives having babies were forced to eat as a duty. Neither failed they of this duty. Cut and come again was the order of the evening, as it had been of the day, "'and I had no time to ask questions "'but helped meat and lotto gravy. "'All the while our darling Annie, "'with her sleeves tucked up "'and her comely figure panting, "'was running about with a bucket of tatties "'mashed with lard and cabbage. "'Even Lizzie had left her books "'and was serving out beer and cider, "'while Mother helped plum pudding "'largely on pewter plates with the mutton, and all the time Betty Muxworthy was grunting in and out everywhere, not having space to scold even, but changing the dishes, serving the meat, poking the fire, and cooking more. But John Fry would not stir a peg except with his knife and fork, having all the airs of a visitor and his wife to keep him eating till I thought there would be no end of it. Then, having eaten all they could, they prepared themselves with one accord for the business now of drinking. But first they lifted the neck of corn, dressed with ribbons gaily, and set it upon the mantelpiece, each man with his horn of froth, and then they sang a song about it everyone shouting in the chorus louder than a harvest thunderstorm. Some were in the middle of one verse, and some at the end of the next one. Yet somehow all managed to get together in the mighty roar of the burden. And if any farmer up the country would like to know Exmoor harvest song as sung in my time, and will be sung long after I am gone at home, lo, here I set it down for him, Admitting only the dialect, which perchance might puzzle him, Exmoor harvest song, the corn, oh the corn, tis the ripen of the corn, go unto the door, my lad, and look beneath the moon. thou canst see beyond the wood rick how it is yellow, tis the harvest in the wheat, and the barley must be shewn. The corn, oh, the corn, and the yellow mellow corn. Here's to the corn, with the cups upon the board. We've been reaping all the day, and we'll reap again the morn, and fetch it home to Morrow Yard, and then we'll thank the Lord. The wheat, oh, the wheat, tis the ripen of the wheat. All the day it has been hanging down its heavy head, bowing over on our bosom with a beard of red. Tis the harvest, and the value makes the labor sweet. The wheat, oh, the wheat, and the golden, golden wheat. Here's to the wheat with the loaves upon the board. We've been ripping all the day, and will never be beat. But fetch it all to morrow yard, and then we'll thank the Lord. The barley, oh, the barley, and the barley is in prime all the date has been rustling with its bristles brown waiting with its beard bowing till it can be mowed tis the harvest and the barley must abide its time the barley oh the barley and the barley ruddle brown here's to the barley with the beer upon the board we'll go a mowing soon as ever all the wheat is down when all is in the mower yard we'll stop and thank the lord the oats oh the oats till the ripening of the oats all the day they have been dancing with their flakes of white waiting for the grilling hook to be the nag's delight tis the harvest let them dangle in their skirted coats the oats oh the oats and the silver silver oats here's to the oats with the black stone on the board we'll go among them when the barley has been laid in ropes when all is home to morrow, yard, we'll kneel and thank the Lord. The corn, oh the corn, and the blessing of the corn. Come unto the door, my lads, and look beneath the moon. We can see on hill and valley how it is yellow, with a breath of glory as when our Lord was born. The corn, oh the corn, and the yellow, yellow corn. Thanks for the corn. With our bread upon the board. So shall we acknowledge it. Before we reap the morn. With our hands to heaven. And our knees unto the Lord. Now we sang this song very well the first time. Having the parish choir to lead us. And the clarinet. And the parson to give us the time with his cup. And we sang it again the second time. But not so but what you might praise it if you had been with us all the evening although the parson was gone then and the clerk was not fit to compare with him in the matter of keeping time but when that song was in its third singing i defy any man however sober to have made out one verse from the other or even the burden from the verses inasmuch as every man present, ay, and woman too, sang as became convenient to them, in utterance both of words and tune; and in truth there was much excuse for them, because it was a noble harvest, fit to thank the Lord for, without His thinking us hypocrites; for we had more land and wheat, that year than ever we had before and twice the crop to the acre and i could not help now and then remembering in the midst of the merriment how my father in the churchyard yonder would have gloried to behold it and my mother who had left us now happening to return just then being called to have her health drunk for the twentieth time at least, I knew by the sadness in her eyes that she was thinking just as I was. Presently, therefore, I slipped away from the noise and murmur and smoking, although of that last there was not much except from Farmer Nicholas, and crossing the courtyard in the moonlight, I went, just to cool myself, As far as my father's tombstone. End of chapter twenty nine. Recording by Daisy fifty five.